he will hold me fast. That is a great promise that we're going to uh, look at today. Uh, welcome to Living Hope Church. We're glad you've joined us here uh, in the building today. We're glad that some of you have joined us online. Today we're continuing in our series, Summer in the Psalms, uh, and continuing specifically at our look at Psalm 23. Uh, if you were with us last week, we saw in Psalm 23 how God desires to lead us, and then where it is He desires to lead us. First, God desires to lead us in relationship. He desires to lead us as we walk through this life with Him. Uh, and, and as we walk in relationship with Him, He leads us step by step, day by day, into the future. And then lastly, we saw God desires to lead us in the context of community. Uh, he doesn't desire to lead us on this journey all alone, but He desires to lead us within the context of the flock or, or the local church, where we grow, serve, love, and share the hope of Jesus with the world alongside one another. God leads us in relationship, step by step, and within the community of the local church. And then we saw where he leads, and as he leads us, he renews our soul. He does this ultimately at salvation when he forgives us of our sins, uh, and he restores our soul. But he does this daily as we walk with him, as we talk with him, as we follow him. And then we saw that God always leads on right paths. As we will see today, he doesn't always lead on easy paths, but they are always right paths. This is so comforting in our confusing world because we know with confidence that any path that leads us to sin is not of God because he only leads on righteous or right paths. And lastly, we saw that he leads on right paths, but he does so for his name's sake, for his glory. As we walk through this life with Jesus, we do so with the responsibility of making his name known to the world. So that as, any, so that as many as possible might know the hope, the forgiveness, the glory of Jesus. So God leads us, and he leads us to restoration with him, to forgiveness, to right paths, and he gives our life a purpose. And that purpose is to make him known. And that all sounds good, uh, but today we're going to hit the point of crisis, of disappointment, of heartache, where we are not so sure about following Jesus. When life is easy, it's easy to follow Jesus, but when the pain comes, many will leave and follow their own path. When we read Psalm 23, we love to read it through the lens of the first three verses. In fact, if you Google Psalm 23 and you click on the images, it's filled with images of the psalm laid over beautiful pictures of fluffy white sheep, of perfectly kept green meadows. The sun is always out, the sheep are always happily feeding, and there's a babbling brook flowing through the meadow. And that's how we like to view this psalm, but this psalm serves as a complete testimony of David's life. And while David had days of green pastures and quiet waters, he also had days of deep, dark valleys. Before David could defeat a giant, he had to step out in front of a giant with a sling and a stone. Before David could become king, he ran for years for his life from King Saul. He would fight countless battles and lose many that he loved. There's a reason the psalm doesn't end after verse 3. And that reason is because David's life was full of valleys and so are ours. Yet even in those dark valleys, God never left David's side. And we're going to see he will never leave ours as well. So today we're going to look at those middle verses of Psalm 23. And we're going to look at God's guidance, his presence, his provision. And how he uses those dark valleys for our benefit and his glory. So if you turn with me, we're in Psalm 23. And we'll read David's psalm. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He, leads, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this promise that you lead us and that you guide us. That you restore our soul, that you, that you lead us on right paths, that you give our life a purpose. God, and we thank you for the days of green pastures and babbling brooks. But Lord, we also thank you for the promises here that you give us in the dark valleys. The promise that you won't leave us or forsake us, that you will walk with us, that you will provide for us, that you will comfort us. And so, God, my prayer for us today is that if we are walking through the valley today or if we are about to walk through the valley or we've walked through the valley, that you would remind us of your promises. That you would remind us and and help us to know your presence in those dark valleys. God, I pray that there's someone here that, that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that they would begin that relationship today, that they would follow you as their guide, as their shepherd. And God, I pray that we would be a people and individuals that don't just search for green pastures, but that we would be a people that would search for you. Lord, would you redirect us if we have lost our way? God, we love you. We praise you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. So as we begin today's sermon, we are going to begin right where we left off last week. And so our first point today is simply our last point from that last week, and that is that God leads on right paths, and he does so for his name's sake. The end of verse 3 and verse 4 reads, He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This is so important for us to know and see. Just because the path got more difficult, that doesn't mean the shepherd had stopped guiding. And just because we face challenges and difficulties in this life, that doesn't mean that God is any less in control or that he isn't leading us at that time. Even as David walks through the darkest valley, God is still leading him on right paths, and he is still doing so for his name's sake. Even though David is in the dark valley, he is still walking on right paths, and God is still the one leading him. Often we believe the unbiblical lie that when we become a Christian, our life will automatically become roses and green pastures. But nowhere in the Bible is that promise this side of eternity. In fact, the Bible promises that as we walk with God, we will face valleys, we will face persecution, and we will face trials. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10 that we will face persecution because of him. We will be betrayed and hated because of him. We aren't promised just green pastures, but instead we are promised persecution, valleys, and trials. But the Bible also promises that as we walk through those valleys, Jesus walks through them with us. The Bible describes the Christian life as a war with an enemy that looks to seek, kill, and destroy. So persecution and trial will come. For some of you, you have recently begun a relationship with Jesus and things have been challenging. Some have returned to faith and things have been difficult. For some of you, you're living out your faith like never before and you faced hardship for it. So my encouragement to you, if that is you and you're facing hardship for your faith, is that likely means you are on the right path. Because that's what Jesus promised his disciples. But on the other hand, if you are a follower of Jesus and you are living a life of comfort and ease that is all about you and yours, and you're not bringing glory to God and making his name known, I would once again challenge you to pause and ask God if you are where he wants you to be. Psalm 23 in the Bible is a whole layout, a picture of the Christian walk. 
And the Christian walk is not a journey all about you. But it's a journey that follows right past and that is all about bringing glory to God and sharing his hope with the world. And yes, there are times of ease and green pastures, and aren't we grateful for those days? But ease and green pastures is not what we are primarily created for. We are primarily created to bring glory to God and to make him known. David tells us that even during those times of comfort and ease, it should still be for God's glory and his name's sake. So for the Christian, don't let your life be waylaid by the pursuits of this world. Instead, follow Jesus and give thanks for times of green pastures, but prioritize him over all things. Our life is all about Jesus. And we get this hope and this promise that as we walk through the difficult times, as we walk through the valleys, through trial and persecution, David says we can fear no evil because the shepherd, our God, never leaves us. Notice that David doesn't say that he enters the valley because he strayed from the shepherd. But instead he says the shepherd leads only on right paths, and as he follows and clings to the shepherd, they walk through that dark valley together. For me, this is assuring because I think for me at least, and I think for all of us, we like Job's friends are tempted to believe the lie that when we go wrong, when things go wrong or when we face difficulty, it must be our fault or it must be the result of some sin in our life. I think we're all prone to believe that lie. But Psalm 23 disputes that. For, for me, in our life or my life, one of the most freeing, encouraging books I've ever read on this church starting journey has been the book uh, titled The Honest Guide to Church Planting. And so often when you read books about church planting, it's all roses, successes, and triumphs. And by God's grace, we have had a lot of those in the last four years here at Living Hope. But for us personally, the last four years have not always been easy. We've faced cancer. We have faced illness with my son. We've seen our house flood. We've had so many challenging and exhausting situations. And in the midst of that, it's really easy to begin believing the lie that I must have done something wrong. Or maybe we're not where God wants us to be. Or to believe the lie that I deserve more or a comfort or a break or something else. To believe that the dark valley is something that is my fault. But as I read that book, it was as though the author was telling my story. He and his family had faced so many of the same struggles and difficulties that we had. And I didn't read that as discouraging, but as a reminder that the dark valley isn't punishment. But instead, often the dark valley is a sign that you are walking with God, that you are engaging in the battle, and that you are indeed on right paths. Comfort, ease, and green pastures are not the goal of this life. Resist the temptation when things get hard to leave the call God has on your life and to seek the green pastures. The goal of this life, no matter what phase of life you're in, is to follow God, to give Him glory, and to make Him known. Don't waste your life on any other pursuit. And When you find yourself at a crossroads in life, do not just take the path that leads to green pastures, but seek out what God wants you to do. And sometimes He will lead you to the green pastures, but sometimes for His glory and the good of others, He will lead you on a more difficult path for His name's sake. Instead of just choosing the path of least resistance, of comfort and the greenest pasture, find the decision that will bring God the most glory and then do that, trusting that he will provide what you need. So as you think about your life, are you living for his name's sake or are you living for your comfort and your own name's sake? One quick caveat before we move on. If we are following God, he will at times lead us to challenging and difficult things with a purpose. And we're going to get to that in a second. 
But the caveat is this. There are times when we are not following God on right paths, but instead pursuing sinful paths. And sinful paths will almost always lead us to self-inflicted dark valleys. So if you are facing a dark valley today that is a result of your sin, then repent and return to God. Allow God to use that pain, that dark valley for good. Repent and return to God either for the first time or once again. The Bible promises that when we repent and when we return from those times, He is faithful to forgive. Now sometimes there's still consequences from that sin, but He is faithful to forgive and He waits for us to return with open arms. So if that's you, then my plea is to repent and return today. But that's not the type of valley we're referencing in this psalm and in this sermon. We are instead looking at the valley that God leads us into. And we are looking at why a good shepherd or our God would ever lead us into a dark valley or a difficult time. Why would a good shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep lead a lamb into a valley filled with danger and threats of death? There's only one possible answer, and that is to get to someplace better. So he leads us to the dark valley for his namesake. And our next point is he leads us through the valley. The key word there is through. He doesn't lead us to the valley to sit and wallow in the pain and suffering, but the good shepherd, Jesus, leads us through the valley to something better. Philip Keller is an Australian shepherd who wrote a book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And he wrote this about the barren valleys or the dark valleys. He says, the shepherd knows from past experience that predators like coyotes, bears, wolves, and cougars can take cover in these broken cliffs. And from their vantage point, they can prey on his flock. He knows that these valleys can be subject to sudden storms and flash floods that sends walls of water rampaging down the slopes. Yet in spite of such hazards, he also knows that this is still the best way to take his flock to the high country. So he spares himself no pains or trouble or time to keep an eye out for any danger that might develop. The shepherd leads the sheep through the valley to get to someplace better. He walks faithfully with his sheep step by step and he looks out for them. As we saw earlier, he does it for his name's sake. The promise that he does it for his name's sake and that he is leading us to someplace greater is how the Christian can face cancer, employment uncertainty, prison and persecution as Paul did and still counted his joy. In Romans 8.28, Paul promises that God will use all things, even the darkest valleys, the most difficult things for good and for his glory. I remember when we first moved to Green River, Pastor Mark Hensley of Hilltop uh, invited Jimmy Draper to come and preach one weekend. And Jimmy Draper is one of the most uh, respected leaders in our convention and has been a voice of wisdom for the past 40 years. And while he was here in town, we had the opportunity to have him and his wife over for dinner. Uh, and then I had the chance to drive him back to Salt Lake to catch his plane. And on that drive, I was talking with him and I asked him to share with me kind of his story and his influences. And in that conversation, he shared with a story that struck me then and still strikes me today. He was talking about the many blessings that God had used in his life to shape and to prepare him for ministry. And as he talked, he shared with me how he had lost his dad at a very young age. And this was not a blessing because his dad was a bad man. Clearly, he loved his dad. It had been 50 years and his eyes still filled with tears as he told me about it. But he said that God used that painful experience to allow him to better sympathize, love, and lead people in the midst of difficult times. He shared how that experience had allowed him to sympathize and lead many to faith in Jesus on their darkest days. 
I remember as he told that story, thinking, well, God, I, I don't want that lesson. But that's the grace and guiding hand of God that he can take God, that he can take a tragedy in Mr. Draper's life, that he can reshape it for good and for his glory. The valley was dark for Mr. Draper, but God used it to lead Jimmy to a deeper faith in his good shepherd, and he used it for his name's sake. The good shepherd leads us through the darkest valley. He does not abandon us there. And for the Christian, even death itself, the end of life here on earth is not the end, but it's a gateway to something greater. Jesus, the great shepherd, led Stephen, the first martyr, through the dark valley of death itself to the place that all paths ultimately leave, which is to Jesus. Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Acts tells us, leading him into glory. Goodness and mercy pursued him all the days of life, including this, his final day. Jesus leads us through the valley, and there is no valley, no pain, no trial too great to separate us from his love. So when the shepherd leads us into the valley, he will always lead us to something better through it. He will use it to make his name known, and he will never leave us or forsake us. That's why David can say, I will fear no evil because you are with me. That's the promise that no matter how dark the valley is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what we face in the valley, the Lord is with you and me if you are a follower of Jesus. Although it may feel dark, he is with you. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 reemphasizes this. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said this. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So when we're going through deep valleys, rest in the truth and reality that God is with you. When you feel overwhelmed, remember that God is with you. He loves you and he has power over all things so you do not have to be afraid. And that's our next point. Because of God's presence, we can with David say we fear not. God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Although it may feel as if life is crashing down in the valley and there is no hope, God promises he will be there with us. So we can say, God is with us. He is my helper, so I will not be afraid. What can the world do to me if God is with me? God leads us into the, into the valleys for our good, for his name's sake, and he will never leave us or forsake us. As I thought about this, uh, the, the best uh, illustration that, could come, that came to my mind is uh, a loving parent that takes his child to a doctor for a surgery or a procedure or a medic medication. I remember when Cademan, my oldest son, was just a couple of weeks old. Melody was working at the time, so I got the task of taking Cademan to the doctor. Uh, and it was like his two-week checkup appointment or something like that, but it was an appointment that involved him getting one of his first shots. As a loving parent, I knew that that shot was going to protect him from a worse illness in the future, but I also knew that in the moment it was going to be painful. And because he was only a few weeks old, there was no way to explain to him what was about to happen or to explain why I would allow him to endure this pain. And so the nurse came in and, you know, she cleaned his skin and prepared the shot. And she was doing all that. I held Cademan in my arms and he was as happy as could be. But then the time came for the shot, and I continued to hold him. And in fact, I held him tighter, but I will never forget that look in his face. She gave him the shot, and he looked at me like, how could you allow this to happen to me? I thought you loved me. You cared for me. And then he just lost it, and he screamed. 
And as he cried, I continued to hold on to him. I continued to be with him. And eventually that pain faded and he calmed down. But as a loving, as a loving father, I never left him. I was protecting him from something worse. I was preparing him for a better future. But in the moment, there was extreme pain and discomfort that that little two-week-old had never felt before in his life. That's a picture of what happens when we walk through that dark valley. In the same way, it's often in the valleys that God is leading us through something that prepares us for what lies ahead. He is drawing us closer to Him. He is deepening our faith so that we will make His name known. And just as I was with Cayman, God is a good father and a good shepherd is always with us as we walk through those painful times. So the next thing we see here is that God is with us, but he isn't just with us, but he provides for us and he comforts us in the valley. We see here that even as David walks through the valley, the shepherd provi provides what he needs. In verse 5, David says, you provide a table for me in the presence of my enemies. It doesn't say I endure it doesn't say I go without, but it says even in the valley, even in the difficulty, God provides. The shepherd provides what David needs in the presence of his enemies. The NIV application commentary, uh, it reads like this. It says, we need to acknowledge to ourselves and to others that being in Christ does not mean that troubles, cares, pains, and the dangers of this world are simply removed from us. We remain in the presence of our enemies. We need also, however, to ask and constantly remind ourselves in what ways, day by day, God is setting a table for us in the presence of our enemies. God provides guidance as, we walk through, as he walks through us with the, in the valley. He provides protection with his rod and staff. He provides correction in the valley with that same rod and staff. And then he also provides the nourishment we need in the valley as he prepares a table for us. I think there's so many parallels here between walking through the valley and the entire book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, Paul writes the letter back to the church of Philippi from prison. Paul's life is in a deep valley. It's in trial. He is facing a possible execution. Yet over and over in the book of, of, of Philippians, he speaks of joy in the midst of the valley. And he concludes the book, or the chapter in, or the, the book of Philippians in 419 by saying that God will always Meet your needs. He doesn't say necessarily say that God will fulfill all your wants and desires, but he will meet your needs even in the midst of your valley. Theologian Albert Barnes wrote, In the presence of my enemies, that is in spite of my enemies, or so that they could not prevent it. My enemies were compelled to look on and see how God provided for me. It was manifest that this was from God. It was proof of divine favor. It furnished an assurance that he who had done this would never leave him to want. The friends of God are made to triumph in the very presence of their foes. Their enemies are compelled to see how he interposes in their belief, how he provides for them, and how he defends them. So in the midst of the valley, in the presence of our enemy, our shepherd, our God, still provides for his sheep, his followers. The next thing we see is even perhaps more amazing. We see that God does it in the valleys. He comforts and he does so with abundance. David says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And this anointing of oil is, is significant in two ways. First of all, the anointing of oil is present throughout the Bible. And it always represents the presence of God or the, the blessing of God, the grace of God. 
It's especially uh, present in the context of the Old Testament uh, with those that knew the Exodus account, the, the story of God rescuing the Israelites from Egypt. To the free slaves, God smelt like cinnamon, like cassia, like olive oil and myrrh. When Moses met with God on Mount Sinai, God sent him back with a recipe for this oil. An oil that would anoint the temple, the altar, the religious furnishings, and even the priests. But nobody else was, used to, used, was to use that perfume except for God's people, God's things. And so to be anointed with oil was to be in the presence of God. To bask in the aroma of the good shepherd. That gets even better in the New Testament. Jesus says in Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is on me. The Messiah said, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to pro- proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to the set the oppressed free. So in the New Testament, in the post-temple world, we're not anointed with just oil. But instead, the, the New Testament tells us we are anointed with the Spirit of God when he comes on us at the time of salvation. So David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your spirit is with me. You walk with me. That promise is significant still today. We don't pour fragrant oil over our heads, but the New Testament tells us we walk empowered with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God literally indwells us. So when, we, when paths get difficult, we don't walk alone. We walk with the Good Shepherd right there with us. That's the promise of the valley. Even when we walk through the deepest, darkest valleys, God is with us. So that's, that's the first significance of the oil. It was a reminder that the shepherd is there with us, that, that he walks with us even when things are difficult. But the second promise of the oil is that it serves as a balm, a protection, a comfort, even during difficult times. Sheep, they, they are plagued by flies and they are, they are plagued by mites to the point that sheep will be so bothered that they will beat their head against the ground. And at times they will be so bothered they will beat their heads against the rock to the point that they will kill themselves trying to stop the pest. So the good shepherd is prepared and he covers their head with oil to stave off the flies. Philip Keller continues in his book uh, on Psalm 23. He says, only the strictest attention to the behavior of the sheep by the shepherd can forestall the difficulties of fly time. At the very first sign of flies among the flock, he will apply an antidote to their heads. And what an incredible transformation it makes. Once the oil is applied to the sheep's head, there is an immediate change of behavior. The sheep will start to feed quietly again and soon will lie down in peaceful contentment. He continues, My shepherd is alert to every approaching disaster that threatens his people. He has been through the storms of suffering before. He bore our sorrows and was acquainted with our grief. And now, no matter what storms I face, his very life and strength and vitality is poured into mine. And it overflows so the cup of my life runs over with his life. So when we walk through the valley... The deepest, darkest valley. The good shepherd leads us through it. He provides in the midst of it. He is present in the valley with us. And he comforts and he protects us from the plagues of the valley. And when you read that verse, it doesn't say that he just anoints my head with oil. But he says he anoints my head and my cup overflows. So we don't just survive the valleys, but the cup overflows. Paul talks about a peace that surpasses all understanding. I think this is the kind of, of what David is talking about here. God, you provide for me in the valley. You comfort me in the valley. You lead me in the valley. And I am overwhelmed by your goodness and my cup overflows. 
I walk in contentment in the valley, peace in the valley. Because of the good shepherd, I am overwhelmed and my cup overflows. A peace that surpasses all understanding overwhelms and overflows my soul. That's the promise of how God walks with us through the valley, through the difficult times. He provides, he protects, he comforts, he gives us a peace that overflows. That brings us full circle to our final point. And our final point is this, that it is all for God's namesake. It's all for his namesake. The green pasture, the gentle stream, and the valley are all for God's name's sake. Have you ever met those people that were walking through incredible difficulty and yet somehow they had peace in their soul? They were content, they were joyful and thankful despite their world crashing down. They were walking through the darkest valley and yet their cup overflowed. When you meet those people, it changes you and you want what they have. When your cup overflows, people see the difference and it advances his name. It glorifies God and it makes the good shepherd known. Verse 5 is such a strange verse at first glance. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Such a strange phrase. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know about you, but I would rather that God just go ahead and destroy my enemies. Or that he would remove me from my enemies. Or that he would feed me in a gated courtyard away from my enemies. But David says, you prepare a meal for me. You provide for me in the presence of my enemies. That promise is twofold. As we mentioned earlier, that displays, uh, it displays that God cares for us. Even when we are persecuted and walking through dark valleys, he provides for us. But it also illustrates his power and his glory as he provides for his sheep in the presence of his enemies. It displays his power over your enemies, but it also displays his power and his goodness for your enemies. So they too might know the good shepherd. I love what Louis Giglio said this past. He said this. He said, God makes a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Because if any of them need a good shepherd, they will see a good one. God leads us on right paths for his name's sake. Sometimes paths walk through green pastures, but often the paths he leaves on are slow. They are windy and they lead through dark valleys. But they always bring glory to God and they make his name known to those around us, even to our enemies. God may be walking with you through a valley so that other people might know him. Your valley or your trial may not be all about you, but instead it may be all about you showing your enemies the power, grace, and peace of the good shepherd. It's so easy to get get caught up in ourselves and our problems and forget that God cares and loves our enemies and the others around us just as, he mu- just as much as he does us. So maybe today your valley is trouble at work or in your neighborhood or a health issue or a loss of a job or something else. But when you walk through that with a peace that surpasses all understanding, when you respond differently than everyone around you, when you trust it to God, people will notice and God will use that valley for his name's sake. And who knows, maybe the reason you are walking through the valley is so that your neighbor or your coworker or your friend comes to faith 
And through that, you are reminded that we don't exist for our glory and comfort, but we exist to make Christ known. So I don't know where you are today as we wrap up, but I'm certain that you are either in a valley, you just exited a valley, or there's a valley coming. And my hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by David's psalm today. Because God has some great promises and encouragement for the valley. But all those promises start and they assume that you are in a relationship with God and following him on right paths. So if you're here today and you're not sure if you are a follower of Jesus or you're in a relationship with him, I would encourage you to step back, to examine your life. And if you know that you are not a follower of Jesus, would you repent and would you begin a return to him today? And if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus and you are walking with him on right paths, would you reflect on his promises? That in the valley he guides you. In the valley he walks with you. In the valley he will provide for you and he will comfort you. Reflect on the promise that God has a purpose for you. For your life, for your dark valley. And that is to make him known. To lead you for his name's sake. No matter where you are, God can and will use it for his name's sake if you will allow him to. So where do you find yourself today? Are you walking through a valley? If you're in the valley, maybe you just need to be reminded that God is with you and he loves you. Today, if this is you, will you dwell on that truth? Ask him for his peace. Ask him to help you feel his presence and then rest in his presence. Or maybe you've been in a valley and it's been hard and you are struggling to lift your eyes from you and your problems to God and to those around you. Would you today lift your eyes? Would you reorient your life around God and his call to make him known? Or maybe today you're here and God wants you to repent from sin or repent from your constant pursuit of comfort and green pastures. Repent simply means to turn from where you are and to follow after God on his right paths. Will you trust him with your life? Would you today truly make him Lord over your life and not just over the easy things, but over all of your life? God desires to lead you, to guide you, to comfort you and protect you, but you must make him Lord, the leader of your life. Would you turn simply from your pursuits and follow him wholly today? Lastly, maybe you're here, and you're not in the valley, but you feel God leading you into the valley. You feel him leading into you something challenging, and you want to run to the green pastures. You know he's leading you to the valley, but you want to run to the green pastures of comfort and ease. Would you resist the temptation and trust God as he leads you on right paths for his name's sake? Would you trust that he is going to guide you, that he is going to comfort you, that he is going to provide for you and protect you and be with you? Would you trust that if he leads, he will provide, and you could trust that his right paths will be better than your paths? If that's you, don't pursue the easy path simply because it's comfortable, but instead pursue God and whatever path he is leading you on. As we wrap up, I'm going to pray for us, and I do, the worship team, they're going to come. They're going to lead us in a final song. But wherever you are, would you reflect on what God is teaching you and apply it to your life today? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promises of Psalm 23. We thank you for the assurance that 
that, that sometimes the dark valleys are, are, are not as a result of our sin, but they are you leading us to something better. God, and we thank you that when we are in the dark valley, we can know that you are with us. That we can know that you still love us. That we can know that you will still provide for us and protect us. Lord, that we can know that you will comfort us and give us your peace. So God, if we are walking through that valley today, would you remind us of those promises? And would you remind us of the promise that you are going to lead us through the valley to something better and that you are going to do so for your name's sake and your glory? God, would you help us to let go and trust you in that dark valley? God, and I pray that for all of us here, Lord, that our primary purpose and pursuit in this life would not be green pastures and comfort and ease, but our primary pursuit would be you. And Lord, if there is any area of our life where we are pursuing something other than you, would you reveal that to us today? Would you reveal where we are seeking our comfort and our pleasure instead of you? And Lord, as we reveal it, would you help us to repent and turn and trust you with all of our life? Not just the easy parts, but all of our life. And in that, Lord, we trust that you will provide and protect and give us your peace. And God, I pray that you would use our lives for your name's sake. That you would use our lives as individuals, as families, as a church for your name's sake. That we would glorify and we would share your hope with the world around us. And God, if there's anyone listening or watching online or here with us today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, would you open their eyes to the hope, to the peace, to the promises that you provide as you guide us. That you give them the courage to ask their questions, to investigate and to repent and trust you wholly. Because you are the only one that can forgive. You're the only one that, that promises eternal life. That you're the only one that restores and renews our soul. If there's anyone here that doesn't know you, would you open their eyes and their hearts to their need today? Would you give them the courage to repent? Lord, we thank you for the promises of Psalm 23 and the promises of the Bible. We thank you that you provide, protect, that you give us your peace even in the midst of the valley. God, we love you and we praise you and it's your name we pray. Amen. is calling Have you come to the end of yourself Do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. 
Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As you wait for the crown, tell the world of the treasures you found. 